Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Please do take your seats. Great to see you all today. You are most welcome, and thank you guys for leading us so well. Uh, and here we are again. I thought my house was going to blow down last night, it seemed like. And uh, there was a, it seemed like they, everything was happening outside. I thought, my goodness, the bins were flying everywhere. It was, it was, a, bit, uh, it was a bit windy last night. And how many know, know that uh, our lives can be a little bit kind of like that in the wind of life? There can be all kinds of rages of, uh, you know, uh, you know uh, just things happening to us and around us that cause all kinds of dis-ease. Now, over the last few weeks and over the coming weeks to come, we've been looking at uh, biblical doctrines, and that sounds rather dry when you say it like that, but such talks are really designed to build or to reestablish or rebuild foundations in our lives. What do we believe? Uh, how do we apply what we believe in real life, uh, wherever we do life? And standing and building on truth, uh, I think, not only gives us a st stability of faith, it also builds confidence in what we believe and in whom we believe. And I think it's really, really important. But to complement these talks on doctrines, we're also looking at some contemporary issues uh, uh, that we're facing as a church and as a society as a whole. And we felt that it was just right to, in this season to really understand where we are and to begin to, in some terms, grapple with some of the, 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 the situations and issues that are facing us at this time. I think that's just a, a very honest and real understanding of the times in which we are living. And if the church does not practice or apply what it believes in the Bible, then we, uh, are, it's, it's really going to be impossible for us to be salt. If you don't apply what we believe, then it's going to be impossible to be light and yeast in our world because what we believe matters. However, what we do about what we believe is critical. It's really, really important. And today and over the coming season, uh, I am offering no slick or simple answers to some complicated and some challenging issues. Navigating through subjects like suffering, death, heaven, racism, relationships, end times, climate change is no easy path. I'm sure that you would agree. Smile at me if you can. But it's important for every Christian to grapple with and to understand what the Bible has to say concerning some of these really important subjects. This is a critical time for the church. It's a critical time for you and I. And it's important for the church to know the truth. To know the truth as we understand to what the Bible actually says. It's for this reason that we're putting on, as Neil mentioned at the beginning of the service, some Sunday evening gatherings to allow there to be an overflow where we can talk at a deeper level about these truths and issues and the application and even disagreement of how we apply or understand some of these contemporary issues as well. This teaching, I hope, will then filter through into our small groups as well where we can have a greater degree of application and transformation because that's where it really happens when we apply these truths to our lives. And if you're not in a small group, then we would encourage you to do that. And this morning, my talk is centered around a topic that we will all, to some degree, will have experienced, are experiencing, or will experience. 
to some degree, and that is suffering. I think, in honesty, uh, suffering is not a subject that you cover. I just don't think it's something that you tick to say we've covered the subject of suffering. I think it's a heartache to carry. And it's how we understand and how we grapple with the whole understanding of suffering in the Bible. Now, this is a subject that has been talked of for centuries, and there is no complete understanding always of what and why and when and the outcome of suffering in human life. And I am not even declaring today that within 25 minutes that you're going to have a synopsis of the whole truth of what suffering is. I have grappled with this. Uh, because I think it's important to grapple. I want to say from the outset that I am acutely aware uh, that our responses to suffering are deeply personal and they evoke strong emotions. I am deeply aware that in, even in my own family, even in life that I see around me in my own community and even in this community of HT, there are many who are enduring and going through something that is not a topic in the Bible. It's a reality that we are all uh, to some degree facing. And the issue of suffering is the most frequently raised challenge to the Christian faith. And within the church there is a wide variety of thoughts and views concerning the whole subject of suffering and healing. They kind of go together, don't they? You know, in one sense, but we're majoring our focus uh, today on suffering, but I need to be able to say there is healing. As and when and how and in what way healing takes place, that is something else to grapple with. Suffering knows no boundaries. I'm sure that you are acutely aware of that. It is global. It is national. It is very, very personal. It evokes many responses, anger, rage, despair, frustration, injustice, and so many other thoughts. Such responses are echoed throughout the Bible where suffering is a common phenomenon. It is not aloof. It is not naive. The Bible is very, very aware and teaches and shows illustrations of the many who have gone through suffering. It's a common theme in life as it is in the Bible. Theologians have wrestled for centuries with the mystery of suffering and no one has ever arrived at a simple or complete solution to the question of suffering. The Bible is a very practical book and it never addresses suffering in a systematic way the one, two, three, and four of suffering. But we do know that through the Scriptures that healing and suffering wind together in the life of a nation, in the lives of individuals. I was drawn to what C.S. Lewis, the great theologian, once uh, said, and he said, C.S. Lewis describes how he originally rejected the idea of God because of the cruelty of life. That was his standpoint. That's where he stood. He would not be alone in that thought process. Then he came to realize that evil was more problematic than his new found atheism. And in the end, he concluded that suffering provided more of an argument for God's existence than one against it. 
But I wouldn't want just to take one line out of what he says out of context. You need to read some of the books and understand as you begin to grapple. Grapple is not just something that we, you know, are molded by our own opinion. Sometimes you need to research, understand what the Scripture says. The problem of suffering is challenging, and people have often wondered how a loving God can allow suffering in the world in which we live. I'm sure that if you have been anywhere as a Christian, that question may have been presented to you at some point. And the Bible offers examples that reveal not only the mystery of human suffering, but also God's eternal perspective, how God has an eternal perspective on suffering and also the end of suffering. And there are pathways that the Bible presents about the why of suffering and our response to suffering. And I'm not suggesting that these pathways that I'm going to present to you today are easy pathways to walk. They are not. And I would begin just simply looking at the life of Jesus. When Jesus once called out, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. I wanted to use that as a simple understanding that at the very beginning that Jesus is acquainted with and understands and grapples in his own life with, Lord, take this from me. I don't want to endure. I don't want to continue through this path. But if there is no other way, your will be done. And so we begin to open the door on a complex issue. I would want to say first and foremost, suffering is not part and parcel of God's created order. It was never there in the beginning of the creation story. Genesis 1-2 to does not say that God created suffering. It's not there. God created mankind and everything was good and everything was perfect. There was no suffering before humanity rebelled against God. There will be no suffering when God creates a new heaven and a new earth. It's the in-between bit that we have a challenge with. There will be no more death and suffering when that new heaven and new earth comes. And so we see the eternal perspective of God. But it still leaves an awful lot of questions unanswered. Doesn't it? So suffering. Oh, to be a child again. Suffering was not part of God's created order. It really wasn't. Suffering entered the world. We can't go into too much detail, but that's why I encourage you to grapple and look at these things in Genesis 1 and 2. It entered the world because of Adam and Eve, you know, and their their first initial response of, you know, sinning and turning against God and their rebellion. It's an intrusion. Suffering is an intrusion into God's world. It is alien to God's thought process as it was in the beginning. But why did God allow sin to enter the world? Why? And as I've read around and tried to understand and as we grapple together that many theologians have come to that conclusion that God created man with a free will. Free will to choose. Otherwise, we are not free to make the choices. He didn't want to creators just to do the very things that he wanted us to do but he gave us that free will and because of that free will 
And because that free will means that love is not forced upon us where God will make us do. There's a choice. And given then this freedom, men and women from the beginning, just like we saw with Adam and Eve, chose to break God's law and then sin entered the world. And because of that, we begin to see the consequences of sin, which is suffering. And that sounds very simple. And theologically, that's how we understand that. But the overflow of that is something that we have to grapple and understand and read into. But this is how we understand suffering was not part of God's created order. It came in because of the rebellion of man and the consequence was indeed suffering. Suffering has many faces. It really does. Psalm 34 says the righteous person will suffer many troubles. The right will suffer many troubles all people including Christians can and I stopped short of saying will but I think it probably is will experience many troubles because the founder of our faith the Lord Jesus himself as he lived this life experienced many troubles and told us in this life you also will endure many troubles those troubles are mental, they are physical, they are emotional trauma. There's injustice, persecution, and the list goes on and on and on. And maybe that you have something that you are carrying that could be added to that list, and I would not want to be insensitive and say, of course, that should be there. Because suffering has many faces. A great deal of the New Testament contains the experience of the early Christians doesn't seem like it was particularly easy. Many of the disciples, all of whom died for their faith apart from one, who then lived in exile for the rest of his life, what is this life to the full that we are promised, that we are thinking that maybe suffering will not be our deposit in life at some point? Even Jesus himself endured, and as Neil read out at the very beginning, came into this world knowing that that would be his pathway. Knowing that that's something that he would have to choose to take on board. But was it popular? Did he want it? Of course not. That's why we see even Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, saying, if this can be taken from me, and if you are there, you are in good company. But it doesn't soften the blow of suffering however it comes to you. Paul writes, we are hard-pressed on every side. We are perplexed. We are persecuted. We are struck down. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. So that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in the body. Suffering has many faces, it comes to us. Only in heaven is there no pain, no grief. This is the eternal perspective that not only is this something that God carries, but if we are Christians, we also carry an eternal perspective. But it's sometimes difficult to see when you are in the woods of suffering and pain. Does suffering have any purpose in our life? What good possibly can suffering bring to us? The Scripture tells us suffering is not without purpose. 
Whilst we were in Nepal, we received the news. It was a great shock that uh, Helen had to return to the UK to receive chemotherapy. Why and how could this happen? We were serving God on the mission field. We were planting churches. Today, Helen is doing fine. Maligned, deceived, misrepresented by people who should have known better was a great experience of my own that lasted a long, long time of people who said things that were just not true and they should have known better. I had the sense of injustice, anger. I would even say at one stage, rage. How could people say and do such things when they know it's not true? These were contemporaries. A few, few years later on, no apologies came. Nothing changed. No one came to me to say sorry. The matter was not resolved. But it was. I had to resolve it. And for both Helen and I, and our experiences of which many would be multiplied in this place, for us, these experiences of not knowing, the questions of why, the misrepresentation, the, the pain that we went through that is not even compa in comparison to what others go through. And I fully understand that. Did not drive us from God but actually drove us to God. But this is not the case for all people. We have to understand that. But it drove us to God because our understanding perhaps was that God in the fullness of His time, which includes eternity, knows all. We see this in the life of Joseph. And if you had the chance to read Genesis, every scripture, and I've got lots and lots and lots of them, I've printed off. You can take with you at the end. There's going to be a copy. Every week we do these kind of series. You need to know what the Bible says so that you can study it for yourself and say, I disagree with what you said. Or I agree. Or, wow, these are hard things that we have to endure together. But Joseph in Genesis 37 to 50, I mean, these are difficult pages to read if, if you are Joseph, his long-suffering, his pain, his rejection, his betrayal, the way that he was treated, and he looks up to heaven saying, what are you doing? And yet in the end, in Genesis 50 verse 20, it reads these words, speaking to God, he said, you intended to harm me, speaking to his friends and his family, he says, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, saving many lives. It was good for Joseph, but some of us don't have the same story as Joseph. But what we try to understand here is, does suffering have any purpose? Suffering is not without purpose, but sometimes that purpose is hard to see. Suffering can take us to greater depths when we don't want to go to greater depths. 
when we don't want our experience to be widened and we don't want our faith in God to be deepened because we would rather not have to go through what we need to in order of the testing of our faith. But suffering can take us to greater depths. And in the middle of extreme suffering, it can be very difficult to see how our trials and trauma can take us deeper in faith. It's not the first thing we think of, is it? Suffering stretches us like nothing else will ever do. That news, that moment, that phone call, that understanding, that moment when it takes place to you. Whatever depth of maturity and faith we have prior, before going through suffering, tends to come out during suffering. It's almost like... 20 years of being a minister, 20 years of being a Christian, all of those things, suddenly when that moment came, when Helen received her news, the, this is when it's tested. Our suffering can actually help others on the rocky journey of faith. And my goodness, it is a rocky, rocky journey sometimes, isn't it? This is not the life of smooth ease. This is not a, you know, a, a, a life that we are called to that just suddenly says that everything kind of goes well. It is not the case. It is certainly not the case in the Bible. It's certainly not the case with the disciples. It was certainly not the case with the early church, and it most certainly was not the case with Jesus. Our suffering can help others. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts all in our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves have received from God. It's really interesting that one of those fellas who have caused me so much pain Two years ago, I called when he himself was going through the exact same thing. His words to me were, you are the last person in the world I thought would be calling me. I don't say that in any sense because with all of my heart, I was going, yes, I'm so... Then I had to die to myself again. Here's the reality. I sat with this man for many, many weeks and months. And I shared with him how not just to survive, but to get through and understand how God will use these things for good. He's now back in ministry and in a church. Did I learn to thank God for what I had gone through? No, I... I didn't like what I went through. If I could have chosen not to, I wouldn't have. Because yeah, I'm just a bad sheep. But the reality is that God sees what I don't see. And what was not to my comfort at that point will be to the comfort of those if 
we choose to allow it to be. Suffering can take us to new depths of maturity because we know that suffering produces something. I don't like what it produces because I don't want the suffering. But suffering produces perseverance that I know. Perseverance produces character if we choose to allow it to. It's a choice. And character hope that in the end, God works it out. That's trust. Suffering asks the question, why? Doesn't it? Why? I can't not talk on any subject about suffering and say that none of us have not been maybe in that position. But it asks the question, why? And what is the answer to the question, why? Anyone like to tell me? Over 50 times, the psalmist cries out, why do you stand far off, God? Why do you hide yourself from me in times of trouble, God? Why do you reject me, God? Why must I go around mourning and oppressed by my enemy, O Lord? And there's another 46 incidences where the psalmist uses the question, why? But it's not just David who asked the question, why? Matthew 27 and verse 46, about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, My God, my God, why? Why? Why have you abandoned me? Or if you use the amplified version, it says, leaving me helpless, forsaking me, failing me when I needed you most. Hey, we've just talked about the Trinity in our doctrines. And yet here we begin to see this amazing thing that Jesus is saying, why have you forsaken me? You have left me when I needed you most. You've been there. I hope you are never there. But life tells me that many of us, some of us, will be there. See, we may not receive a satisfactory answer to the question, why? But our solace is this, is that we have a Savior and a God who has been exactly where we are. Has asked the same question to the question, why? He was despised, hmm. rejected, a man of sorrows, familiar with suffering. It does not make your suffering any less to know that He endured. But it gives us solace to know that He is the God who abides with us in our enduring and knows that pathway personally. Suffering asks the question, why? And in this life, you may not receive a satisfactory answer, so we have to. I find no other way in my own life to, to, to find any conclusion to this other than standing back and seeing the eternal perspective of God. Why did they say all of those things against me? I will never ask them. 
I see these fellows all the time, but I will never ask them. It's done. As to the question why they did what they did, coming into land and by no means have I sought to give an answer to the whole subject of suffering. I've not even began to open the door and I realize that. Suffering finds refuge in community. The church of Jesus Christ is meant to be a place of refuge to those who hurt, to those who are broken, to those who have been lied to and cheated, who suffer various struggles and addictions in life. It's a place where the whosoever, whatever has happened to them can come. And Christians are meant to carry each other's burdens. This is what it says in Galatians 6. It says, carry each other's burdens in this way and you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens to be there for one another. Loving those who suffer is evidence that God is living in us, that we come alongside. It illustrates His perfect love. It finds refuge. I have found in the many privileged moments that I've had in life and ministry, some of them have been difficult to be in let alone to have been the one experienced them. But as a minister, you get to be in positions that you would never choose to be at the worst times of people's lives. Sometimes the greatest thing that we do when coming together as community is do nothing. Just be. Just know. Send a letter. We're here. You think, well, Lord, I, I, I just need to do more, but what can you, you can't take on the suffering of others, but you can most certainly be around it. You can certainly be understanding of it. And if you've been anywhere near suffering, you will certainly carry, I hope, dear God, the compassion that comes from knowing Christ. It doesn't take a lot. And lastly, suffering. Suffering is at the center of God's love, which seems so bizarre. It is on the cross that we see God taking on Himself the evil and the sin of humanity with its pain and cruelty. And the suffering of Jesus on the cross is the supreme example to each one of us in our own suffering. It's not fair. And it wasn't fair that an innocent man would die. It's not fair that he was marred more than any man. It's not fair. So we stand back again. And we see the perspective of God. That's what carries me through. Knowing that suffering is at the center of God's love. Frances Young, a Methodist minister, writes in a very moving book about her account of raising up a severely handicapped child. And this is what she says. There could not be any philosophical answer to the problem of evil 
not one is fully satisfactory. The only answer, the only thing that makes it possible to believe in God at all is the cross of Jesus Christ. Theologian John Stott, well-respected throughout the world, writing on suffering in his book, The Cross of Christ, said, I could never believe in God if it were not for the cross. Suffering is at the center of God's love. Whilst we recognize that suffering is an ever-constant in life, we recognize that God is the ever-present with the ever-constant reality of suffering. I will never leave you nor forsake you. He never leaves us because nothing can separate us from the love of God. He walks with us that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are there. These are not victriolic statements. These are not triumphalistic kind of get-out clauses of suffering. These are truths. Truths of trust. He lifts us. He lifts us out of the pit of despair and He sets our feet upon a rock. And in our suffering, pain, tears, and darkness, He identifies with us. Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. It doesn't answer the question of why suffering, the pain of suffering, and where is God in the midst of suffering, other than that He has been there, He is with us. And we've not even turned the page on to the fact that He is a God who also is not just with us, but He is the God who heals. He is the God who restores and renews. And sometimes, thank you, Lord, in this life we experience that healing. Sometimes, what is the ultimate healing for the Christian? That one day we shall be like him. I finish and I conclude with the words of Jesus in Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me. All who are tired, weary, who are overburdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Is this a pathway? I don't know. Sometimes it seems like a jungle to me. Is it honest and real? Yes, I carry my own frustrations and, and my own questions that I will carry probably to the grave until I get to heaven. Has my suffering and my own experience of what I've endured drawn me to God or from God? Well, for us it's drawn us to God, but still with many questions. Why do the wicked prosper? But David stood back and said, but then I saw their end. Because there's a perspective. And sensitively I would say there's no glib answers here, there's no simple answers, but there should be Love, compassion, honesty, vulnerability, openness, the, the ability to say nothing but just to say we're there. Will it be enough? It might not be. 
but we do that with all our heart. And so we conclude now with an opportunity for us not to respond to this word. My heart is not for people to respond to a sermon, but in the midst of pain and brokenness, that we would just know the abiding presence of Christ and the healing power of Christ. And sometimes His presence, we sing it often, your presence is enough to know that you are there. So we're going to conclude in just a second, and I'm going to ask the, the team uh, just to come and, and uh, uh, just to maybe lead us in a final song. Uh, but all I want to do is to sing a, a very short song. It may even just be the chorus of a song. You can come now, you know, wherever you are. Arise, that would be lovely. Uh, and uh, assist. I'm acutely aware of, uh, you know, the reality of where some may be today. What is our response? Well, Jesus has come to me. My encouragement is just to do what the book says. Let us come to Him. And we lift up our hearts and our hands. And maybe we don't lift up anything because we don't have the strength to do that. Maybe our questions are just too vivid at the moment. But He is the God who is close. But if you are burdened now, and if you are suffering, I'm not going to ask you any questions. I would just simply say, you know, in that suffering, would you come? Would you like to come? I'm not forcing anyone. But if you just want to come, let's... And time has gone by, I just want I love you to come forward and just stand with you. But maybe at this time, it's just appropriate that we just, if that's you, just stand where you are. And I would just love just to take the opportunity to pray with you as we sing just a simple song you can stand with me in brokenness in vulnerability in openness as we grapple with suffering that is around us near us maybe in us with rage and maybe even anger with questions maybe why but to come as we are and if that's you as we sing this uh, final song, let's just stand together and let, let's just pray for one another. Yeah, in Jesus' name.